There's no rules! Welcome to the back patio here at Franklin Bridge. You don't even know how to intro that anymore. No, I don't. We've been in the studio. No, we've been in the studio for a while. <laughs> I had to I had to check it for a bit. But no, yeah, so thanks y'all so much for showing up. This is our first live podcast of 2023. Let me get a round of applause for everybody being hey. here. Hey. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. We're going to aim to do one of these a month starting in May on yeah. the back patio. We'll shoot two. So live Q&As, we used to do that. So we're bringing that back yeah. this year. But I think that uh, one thing that you guys have uh, have seen over the course of uh, the Franklin Bridge Performance Institute kind of coming to life, the last time we did one of these, we didn't have half the facilities that we have now. So we've got the track man, we've got the GC quad, we've got the studio, we've got the putting lab, we've got our custom fit, uh, custom fit club area over there, and uh, we added on our main man, Scott Wilkerson here. So everybody give a big Franklin Bridge welcome to Scott Wilkerson here. I, I think it's like... Uh, it's funny because we've got Scott and Scott, and then we have Elijah, and then many of you already know Erica. She's going to be coming back this summer. So we've got El Elijah, Erica, Scott, and Scott. I was like, you know, I looked at, I haven't said this to Brooks yet, but I was like, you know, if you get an H and an A, you got my whole last name, and we're set. <laughs> so, uh, but anywho, uh, welcome, Scott, uh, to, the, to the podcast and to here at Franklin Bridge. Um, Thank you. So I'm going to intro him, but before we do that, to kind of give you a full backstory. So I came up here in 2020 um, to get this thing started and get instruction started, kind of kicking it off on my own. I had already had the podcast kind of started going, had one book out. We've got two books. We're going to give those away tonight as well. Um, Erica jumped in uh, quickly as a summer intern. She's come for three summers to help get the juniors kicked off, help me kind of get my feet underneath me here. Uh, to get it kicked off right in the start of 2020. So not exactly a great start, but uh, it went well because Franklin Bridge is awesome. Who doesn't love being here? So uh, a big shout out, big thank you to uh, Brooks West. He doesn't ever brag, um, so and he should, and he could. He won a section uh, professional, or uh, not section, our chapter uh, professional of the year this year. So that's a big deal to win that. So he's not here tonight, but... Uh, putting a ton of money back into this place. I don't know if you can see the work that we're doing. We can't get it all done at once, but uh, How many of y'all have loved the course over the past year and seen all the improvements, yeah? Yeah? yeah. Everybody loves playing out here, man, and uh, that's a big thank you to, to Brooks, but also you guys for coming here and making Franklin Bridge what it is. It's a super awesome place to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah all inside. You guys saw all the, the foam board that's up, all the signs, everything. Yep. It's making this place look like a real country club, so yep. it's awesome. Yep, so, and then uh, after the last three summers, we had Elijah join the team uh, last late summer. Uh, fall, he's been helping out a lot with the ladies' clinics. All on core strategies. He's our core strategy specialist. He's well-versed in both of my books, has applied the stuff. I think in two of his playing lessons recently, I think it's two nines that he's done with them, has been 30 and 29, so... We're doing, we're doing just fine. So you get an experience to go out. Do not miss out. I think people are massively missing out on the ability to play the game. So if you think you know how to play, you don't. All right? So we're going to start there. Like, go out there with Elijah. You are missing out on a wonderful opportunity to drop strokes to your score. So shout out to him. We're going to hear from him tonight as well. Um, so that kind of leads us to where we are here. My wife is trying to duck. She's right there. She's been uh, taking... I mean, she's been working probably 30 hours a week right now, all back of the house, administrative work. So big thanks to Rebecca. Thank you 
Uh, so. We have a full-fledged team. Uh, a small shout-out to Avery, who's running stuff tonight. He's been clipping stuff that we're putting on social that you're seeing. Hey, there's Avery. There's Everybody Avery. get a round of Avery. Hey, Avery! So we have a full team, and, you know, I've pulled out of the club-fitting space because that's not where I'm best, um, and it's not where my interests lie. Uh, I have experience after teaching for almost 15 years, so I'm able to fit, and we're going to get into some nuances there. But I think it was huge for us to have somebody to, with Scott's experience uh, to my left here, to really take and bring the full picture together. So we've got Elijah on the course. He's been doing a lot of club fitting. Um, really excited for him. He's getting to learn from me and my experience teaching, getting a chance to start to learn from Scott as well. Um, and so he's done a great job on the club fitting side already. But we're bringing in somebody who's big, who's been on the PGA Tour and LPGA Tour for almost 20 years. Yeah, 20 years. So, uh, Scott, if you'll give us a little rundown on how you got started in the business and how you got here in less than five minutes. <laughs> good luck, right? Uh, yeah, good luck. We both talk a lot, so <laughs> don't be afraid to chew on the mic. Uh, I will say this. It was a pretty humble beginning. I started as a club pro, um, gosh, a long time ago. Um, seems like a long time ago. Uh, it was 20 years. I, I was doing teaching, and, and I picked up fitting back in the early 90s with a uh, company called Henry Griffiths. Uh, and it was a little cart that you pulled out to the range and you screwed on, screwed off heads. And, and that's how you, that's how I started fitting people. And I took a huge interest in that. I was at a little bitty small country club up in Greenbrier, Tennessee. And, um, the first year I, I remember paying like five grand for this franchise <laughs> to, to start. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to ever pay that off. Um, but I did the first week and got hooked on club fitting. And that's kind of the rest of the story is, led me to the PGA Tour uh, over 20 years. I've done LPGA, Champions Tour, Qu just got back from a Corn Ferry event this week, so I sort of spread it, you know, spread the wealth a little bit. Um, I'd say this, it, it, the passion was when the first time I, I did a fitting and, and realized how significant golf clubs affect motion in the golf swing. So taking it to, to Scott Hassey over here would be where it, it, we get into a fitting and I just don't see like I could make you better we go to him he and elijah and they teach you better and then it becomes easier to fit you so i think the team we have is i'm excited about um again uh brooks sort of i met him a long time ago and he had this little dream about what's about to happen here and so i'm thankful for him and thankful for these these guys Scott, question for you, man. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of people out here who think, man, I'm just not good enough for a fitting. I just can't, you know, there's no reason for me to get fit. <laughs> you know, I just, I can go to play it against sports and get my clubs, you sure. know. For, for some of those skeptics out there, what are a few immediate things that people will start to see once they do get fit and they have clubs that are, are built for them? Yep. I, I think the, the key thing is what I said about motion. Your, your golf swing becomes better when the clubs fit you, right? If you pick up a set off the rack and the line goes wrong and the length is wrong and the grip is wrong, you start to develop a golf swing that probably you end up with these guys having to take a lesson. And, and, and a lot of times they will have to back off and go, whoa, you know, your motion's pretty good, but those golf clubs are too short or the lofts are terrible or the lies are terrible. And so I, I think immediately you start to go, my, my motion can be good. I can make good golf swings because the golf clubs are good. Yeah, I, I would uh, add to that. It's 
a couple of things. I generally see uh, equipment's too heavy uh, and too stiff. Generally speaking, that's Agreed. not an absolute. Um, and when you have the wrong equipment in your hands, it makes my job a lot harder. Um, so one of the beauties of today's game is the fact that we can fit just about anything and anybody at any skill level. And I think the people that get trapped the most are beginners and juniors. So juniors, are, I mean, I think pretty much every kid in our junior program right now has all the wrong equipment. Pretty much every <laughs> single one of them. Uh, there's a few exceptions out there, but like 90-something percent have the wrong clubs in their back. Yeah, I mean, just about every putter that any of our junior students have is is too long. Yep, all of them. Yeah, they all have to stand like this because it's the only thing they can do. Well, my kid's terrible at putting. I was like, well, yeah, because it doesn't fit them. So um, trying to get them to bend over, and they just stand right back up. So, you know, being able to blend these two together, we'll talk a little bit about junior stuff here in a little bit, uh, but – I think you have to have both. You know, having the right equipment certainly helps. Um, I had a guy today in a lesson. I, I brought this. He said, can you watch me hit this club? This is an old Callaway four-wood. Wow. The grip was about to fall out of my hands, so I swung it, almost lost the club. Not exaggerating. The club slid in my hands. I actually hit it really good. But it's a, it's a steel-shafted 6.5. That's an X-Flex steel-shafted club and he's got driver club head speed of probably 75 miles an hour wow so wow. not a chance no chance uh so he hit one in the first swing he actually missed the golf ball altogether i was like well you told me to watch you hit it you didn't hit it so i don't know what we're gonna do so but like that's an extreme example sure but that's actually far more common than than people actually understand it definitely is I, I think off the rack stuff you know, is starting to go away, right? Like, like used to back in the day, you pick something up and you learn to play with that, good or bad. And now you go get fit, you get proper clubs. And again, like, like Scott's saying, it's for Elijah and him, it's a way he's here uh, fix when the, when the clubs fit. Scott, how much of this, too, is uh, just knowledge among golfers as well? Because I think if anybody goes onto their favorite club manufacturer's website and tries to order clubs, they only come in – one one loft and lie and, and one flex really it's, it's it's there's how can you blame people out here because they're just buying what they're they're getting from online absolutely yeah i think i think the again educating is a lot of it too like you're saying yeah. a lot of people just don't know like what what's lying what's loft and how's that affected so hopefully in the fittings well, well not even hopefully i know that you will get some knowledge about why it makes a difference right and that's sometimes just as important and how much of this too is uh i think there's a misconception out there that if you get fit for your clubs they're going to be 10x more expensive than if you just bought them off the rack can you talk to about the, the pricing as well sure absolutely i think number one if it fits a lot of things happen right you enjoy the game more you play more you uh the clubs last you longer because you're taking lessons with a good golf club um i think to the you know the the, the whole thing about uh, expense is, is a little bit of a misnomer because, again, if they last four years and they fit you, then you didn't buy four sets of golf clubs. You only bought one, right? Um, and, again, to the, the other thing, you may have a great set of golf clubs. You've just bought those golf clubs from the, from the shop, and uh, we get them fit to you, and then all of a sudden uh, we just had to change the lie angles or we just had to change the grips. So it's inexpensive to make stuff fit you doesn't mean a new set every time. So one of the other things that we're going to be able to do here that's a lot different than other places 
is to be able to just chain shafts out. So Correct. like maybe you can't afford a full set. That's fine. We've got multiple routes we can go, especially with somebody with his experience of like, okay, we're going to keep that head. We can go with these shafts over here. Order them in, drop your clubs off, be able to turn them around in 48 hours or so. Right. So, well, so. and two, Scott, tell me, tell me if I'm wrong, but uh, a lot of players on tour are also playing very much older models of some of yeah. these irons that have come out. And a lot yep. of the times uh, you hear, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, as the golf shaft referred to as the engine of the golf club, right? And yeah, so absolutely. a lot of people love the feel and people are like, well, I need those new, you know, Strixon ZX7s or need those new TaylorMade P790s. Yep. But in reality, they just might need a shaft change and they're going to be completely fine. Absolutely. Yeah. Or grip, right? Right. Even a grip change. So a lot of the tour players, it's the, the manufacturers love to them Love, love them to move into new equipment, right? They're, they're sort of forcing that on them. Like, we need you playing uh, the new ZX-7s because that's what's new. Uh, but a lot of the guys are hesitant, and they will fight that a little bit and go, well, look, let's do a little shaft change, do a grip change, check line angles, check, lo check loft, and then maybe I'm okay for a little bit, and, and they'll fight it somewhat. And a lot of the times, too, if they're out there winning these, these major championships, winning a bunch of tournaments, yep. they're going to be hesitant to move into that next generation of club because if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Absolutely. So one of the things that kind of bring Elijah into this, too, so he's out on the golf course with people every day. Uh, I think he's probably done more on-course lessons than most golf professionals do in a decade in, in the last – eight months and so like that's something it definitely that's feels like it yeah <laughs> that's important to us because that's a piece that's massively missing it's why i've got two books on it. it's why our podcast talks about it it's why it's a pervasive message in what we do and so he gets out there and they don't have the right clubs in their hands he knows what they need to work on if they're already taking lessons uh but one of the things i think is really interesting is the rules of golf allow you to have up to 14 clubs and if you go somewhere other than here they're going to fit you to 14 clubs most likely Okay, so from the cost standpoint, we're going to save you because guess what? Most of you out here don't need 14 clubs. All right, let's save you a couple hundred bucks. Unless Another common 14 misconception clubs, there, right? yeah. But on the tour, they'll have way more than 14 because they have the skill and they vary all that from course to course, tournament sure. to tournament. So they might have, what, uh, I have a couple of guys I work with. Hayden Buckley is a guy that's a pretty good friend of mine, new up-and-coming player. Um, he has... Uh, driving irons, different ones. He has uh, hybrids, seven woods, you name it. And based on the, the golf course, he, he switches stuff in and out. So he's probably got 10 woods that could, any combination of those would be in the bag. But, but he gets them for free too. So it's easy. <laughs> it's easy when you get them for free. Scott Hassey, yeah. I've got a question for you over here. Uh, how many, this could be a very hot take here. Out of these people in this room, on average, how many clubs do you think all of these people need in their bag at one point in time? Uh, average would be less than 10. You hear that? Wow. So you can work your way around this course with average, 10 clubs Average in would your be bag. less than 10. There you go. Now, there may be some nuance to that. Some people are better players. We can add more clubs. But, like, you really don't. It's like, well, my 9-iron, my 8-iron doesn't go any further, further than my 9-iron. It's like, well, you either we may need to look at the club. Maybe something wrong with the club, Right. Or you don't generate enough club head speed to do that. Or you need to work on your – there's a whole number of options as to how we get there. And I think for Elijah on the golf course, like I would ask the question, where do you get stuck with players and where do you see the biggest need to be fit in their sets? I would definitely say, number one, just from a fitting perspective, like because I've been fitting, you know, for some of you guys even here um, – Number one, a, a good fit is going to uh, create a predictable shot pattern, 
if you don't have a predictable shot pattern, then it's really hard to play predictable golf. And playing predictable golf is what helps you make good decisions, what helps you leave the ball in the place that you're trying to leave it in. Um, so I, for the most part, I, I would say um, wedges are, are a huge one. Uh, I see a lot of players with a lot of bounce out here. Um, we have very firm conditions out here, and it makes it really tough to you know hit spinny shots with a lot of bounce. It's really hard to hit it off the tight lies with a lot of bounce. Um, you, you start talking about spin, uh, launch angle, all those things change depending on the grind style of your wedges and the bounce that you have on there. And also to Scott's point, I would definitely say way too heavy, uh, consistently too heavy. 70 gram stiffs for guys that are swinging less than 110 miles an hour, um, even X flex. Um, speaking off, you know, just my own uh, experience. This is a really cool story. Y'all don't miss this. This is great. <laughs> so Elijah's driver club at speed is around 111. I, yeah, I cruise between 111 and 113, give or take. And I've been playing for the last, uh, I don't know, what, two months? About last two months, I've been playing a regular flex driver shaft. And I swing it faster than like 99% of people on the patio right here. I think maybe the guys that swing it faster are sitting like right here. <laughs> and uh, Ryan, wherever Ryan is, Ryan swings it pretty hard. But um, yeah, so I just found that a lighter flex shaft gives me a lot more stability in the face. It helps me hit the center more often, and it helps me launch it higher. And so I've actually gained yardage off the tee by going into a shaft flex that someone would look at you and say, that's crazy. But that's how important uh, a club fitting is, and especially when you're talking about performance on the golf course, like how much that really can matter. So I hope that answers your question. For those of y'all sitting here on the patio, if you could pick up five miles an hour of club head speed with a less stiff shaft, how many would do it? A lot of people would, right? How many yards is that roughly for um, people, Scott? I mean, five would be, what, 12? Another 12 yards. Another 10 to 12 yards. Yeah, in the air. In the air. Just yeah. carry. Just straight carry. Yeah. And that's just based on swing speed, too. I mean, we're not even talking about smash factor improving by a tenth uh, of a point, right? I yeah, mean, launch and spin, obviously, key factors, too. Um, a quick story on that, too. It's uh, That's awesome. I did had a chance to work with uh, Kyle Berkshire, uh, who's the long he's current long drive I think guy, or maybe yeah. last year's or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And he was just looking at golf shafts and we there's a there's not to get super technical but there's a machine called CPM machine that measures the cycles per minute of a golf shaft and I'll nerd out here real quick but it 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 tells you how stiff that shaft is okay, and so there's numbers that go along with those things. So extra stiff, something around 275. Uh, TX, which is Tour X, is about 280. And then a regular would be 240, something like that. So he he's asking for shafts. I'm like, well, what CPMs do you need? And he goes, uh, 240. I'm like, wait a minute, how fast do you swing? He goes, uh, two, what's his ball speed? 250? Yeah, it's right? 240, two, 250. 240, yeah. 250. So this guy swings harder than anybody, but he's playing a shaft that, almost like a beginning golfer would play. And I was like, why? And he also plays it at 48 inches, not 45 and a half, 
so it's even more flexible. <laughs> so he says because he the, the timing of it is not as important because he says the shaft actually bends twice, right? So it bends when he sets, and when he starts down, it bends again. So he, he literally that club head covers way more area and more, way more time to be picking up speed. If you watch it in slow-mo, it's almost like a pool noodle. It is. It it's looks like it's bending over his back. And explain Wild. the science behind that, too, because a lot of people would say, well, if you're going to hit it harder, you need a stiffer flex, yeah. right? And Kyle well, clearly says otherwise. He says otherwise, and this is coming becoming a little bit of a trend on tour because guys are going they're, – they're not playing R's, but they're playing – I'm seeing more S's, heavier S's, but S's. Um, guys that don't swing as hard, but the I think the science and he was explaining it to me was that that club head never gets past him, right? He he's always got the it's yeah it's so lagged and so behind and the face is never because they fear left, right? They don't want to see a left shot, they don't want to see a big hook, so the face can never get shut. And, and we're currently designing a shaft at UST that's definitely softer in the middle, softer tip section that allows people to get a little more kick. It's a little lighter, so you can swing it faster. But what we're finding, and it's, I was just asking Scott this, if you were seeing any left misses, what we're finding is you don't. You actually start to see more misses to the right, which for a good player, a tour player, is what they always want to see. So more on that down the road, but I love the story. Yeah, and, and that was something that Scott and I had been working on in my golf swing and really weren't able to fix with technique. and. As soon as I put a lighter shaft with, uh, you know, not as stiff flex, I don't rarely ever hit the golf ball left unless I'm, like, really tight and toe the crap out of it. And, you know, so, but that's a swing error, not a club error. So, with that said, I kind of want to use this to seg segue a little bit into juniors and ladies a little bit. So, hey, Scott, before we do that, yeah. bring it up on the second podcast. Our second podcast is going to be a Q&A. Okay, so we'll after, we'll after all of this talk that we've just had about uh, shafts, about loft, about lie, about club fitting, about grips, think y'all think of a question because the second whole podcast is going to be with Scott up here answering your questions on what is the right fit for you. So if you guys have been skeptical about getting fit, uh, have wondered if you're in the right stiffness for your shafts, for your driver, for your irons, for your wedges, think of those questions because we're going to have a whole Q&A about it. So with that, I want to – so part of what we got in that tour shop is a space for him to do all the work that he needs to do to change shafts out, uh, grips, the whole deal, club repair. We had a – where's Colin? Colin broke a club yesterday in a clinic. Oh, there he is. So, uh, First customer. So <laughs> we, we got we to gotta get a new shaft there. So we'll be able to do all of that in-house. So that's going to be great. But the other thing is, is that putting studio. Like that putting lab is going to be really critical – uh, to what we do here. So uh, wedges, putters, uh, and to me is like a driver. Like those are kind of the three spaces I start for most people, especially if they're beginners. Uh, but like I need at least those clubs working great. The putter to me, roughly 40% of your shots will come from the putting green. I don't care if you shoot 62 or whether you shoot 122. Roughly 40% of your shots will come from that putting green. You need a good putter in your hands, and we need to have a good motion at the same time. So, kind of tying those two things together, Scott, talk through us, uh, talk us through a little bit of what what a putter fitting looks like. Um, 
Okay, yeah. And I, why they should do one. And, Scott, while you're at it, too, you see we've got the track man here, and that's yes. a new addition for us. So I'd love to also uh, hear you nerd out a little bit <laughs> on uh, why the track man will be so good in the putting lab. A lot of people will just see it on the range, or they'll yeah. go see the track man ranges, or uh, you know, see it on tour and on the TV, and they'll see the shot shape. But explain to us, too, why that track man is so good for the putting studio as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, And I, I, I typically – uh, every week have track man on my hip, you know, at some tour event. So pretty comfortable with it. Uh, we don't do a ton of putting, but we do some putting out there. There's a lot of other, there's Sam Putt Lab, there's Quintech, there's some other um, launch monitors and radars and stuff. But this is my favorite. That one's awful, also pretty good. It just doesn't do putting, right? So um, I'll say this. I'll start with the, why this is important in putting because if you've been on, if you got through the lab today and got to see a little bit, we had to hurry up. But but this thing has like 30 data points that we had up. That is, uh, what's your attack angle on the on the golf ball? Is the ball skidding? Is it bouncing? Uh, is it skidding then rolling? Um, you know, what's your tempo? Basically, tour tempo is two zero on a 10 foot putt. And we had some guys hit two zero, but there was a lot of um, one fives and one twos, that means it's a really short, quick stroke, and some that were three. That was a long, lagging stroke that doesn't make the ball roll like it should. Okay, so that's one little point that can help, that TrackMan can help us decide, you know, where are the errors happening. Okay, uh, again, attacking on the putter if you're hitting way up or way down. Saw a little bit of both of those tonight, too. Um, that can help us to head a direction, like we need to work on loft lie. Uh, we need to work on hand position. We need to send you back to Scott and Elijah to, to get a little putting lesson. So I'm going to interject there for just yep. a second. So you're hearing like slide, skid, bounce, that sort of stuff. So how many of you have played in scrambles? Okay. How many of you have hit a putt in a scramble and then the next person hits it down the same line with the same speed? You're like, how come yours broke and mine didn't? Right? Yeah. How many of you have had that experience? Yeah. Right? Pretty much every person in here. That's because neither of you hit this putt the same. All right. So Correct. like that you do not hit the putt the same way. You need to read the putt the way you hit the putt. So when when I do scrambles, I don't watch anybody putt. Like I'm not going to watch you putt. I don't care what the read is. Like my ball's going to roll differently than yours is. You so. know what's interesting, Scott, too, is that you never hear that on the fairway. Why did yours draw and mine faded? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> right? Good point. <laughs> it's it's the same thing. It's the same thing. <laughs> Uh, I, w I would say, yeah, absolutely, to that point. It, it, it's, you know, people people move the putter just like they do the golf club. The path can be left. The face can be right. And the significance to me of, of that is on a 10-foot putt, uh, a left path with a, a one-degree left path and a one-degree right face could be a foot in that putt. So in a 10-foot putt, you could miss it a foot by just, pay, uh, just by a face and path. So... 30-foot putt, think about that, right? You miss the break a little and the speed a little and your path is left and your face is right, then it's really hard to make putts. <laughs> it gets very difficult. We um, all know the guy that aims about 10 <laughs> feet left on the two-foot breaker. Yes. That's pushes, basically pushes, what you're <laughs> describing right, pushes towards there. The hole. So I think this, this machine obviously is going to help us with uh, things we can't see with the naked eye. I mean, you can video all day, and you still cannot see open face, left path. Some of you have probably degree. seen me laying down on the putting green trying to video the ball yes. on the ground. <laughs> yes. So. And it's it's just the human eye can't catch it, the camera can't catch it even in slow-mo. So this thing's going to be so valuable for us. 
um, just getting to the to the point quicker, in other words. Scott, I've got uh, something, too, um, that I want to ask you. We mentioned grips earlier in the podcast. A lot of people will just think, oh, you know, it's just what I like. You know, I like feeling that, you know, this is a cool grip. Oh, this has got the strip down the back so I can, you know, feel where my fingers are. That might be good for a certain somebody in a certain situation. But talk a little bit about how uh, the grip also has an effect on the stroke and how you get fit for clubs. Okay, yeah, it's, I mean, sometimes we, we do fittings and that's all we change, right? We'll just change the grip size. Um, again, along with link and other, length and other things, it, it is real easy to control face with the grip, right? And that's what it's about, controlling the face angle. How many times on tour as well are you having those conversations with uh, guys or gals um, talking about grips and what they like? I feel like after a while, a lot of people know what they like and they'll play a grip for an extended amount of time. But, but how often do people really inquire about grips and uh, how, are, how specific are they with the wraps and everything that goes on under the club as well? I would say tour is a... Uh, they, they don't change a lot. I'll say that if it's a super stroke, they're always kind of in the super stroke. It might be a one O or a two O or a pistol or now wrist lock or arm lock, those things. But typically if they're golf pride people with the small grip, they sort of stay that way. Uh, if they're, once they get into the super stroke, they sort of stay in that. So not a lot of change there. Um, so one of the things we've been doing recently, uh, you may be seeing on some of the emails that go out, um, we've done some fun work uh, looking at putting and the way we teach putting. So it is pretty much ubiquitous. Everybody in here doesn't play enough break, and they hit it too firm. And if you don't play enough break, you have to hit it firm, and the hole gets a lot smaller with a firm speed. Most of the tour players are hitting a very soft speed going into the hole, and not just because the greens are fast. Right? If you watched Augusta, John Rahm, pretty much every putt like, was either just short of the hole or even with the hole. So diet and speed is the best way to make putts. That's mathematically proven a thousand times over. Yeah, absolutely. And it, you know, with correct speed, you don't have the three-foot downhill, side-hill putt that you have to make coming back if you missed it. So I think speed is absolutely the focus. And, and your putter fit can be a part of that. Like we just think, oh, I just need length and lie. But you also have shafts have become really important in putting nowadays. And there's this popular, it's like a steel graphite composite split thing. Correct. I don't even know what you, is that about? Is that about <laughs> that's about right. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a lot of adjectives, but that's about right. Uh, I think, you know, we saw, and again, I brag on UST because I work for them, but, but I truly believe in 20 years ago, we came out with a uh, half graphite called car carbon fiber into steel. So it was a connection, it was called frequency filter. And that one was built to just, kind of filter out all the, like if you hit it in the heel, if you hit it in the toe, those kind of things. We now have uh, some called retrofit, which if used to if you had a like a double bend or uh, you know, where you couldn't actually put a shaft straight into the head. You couldn't put graphite in those. Now we have something that actually fits above the bend um, to also filter some of the heavy uh, hits. So I think all kinds of options now that we didn't have, call it two or three years ago, right? Uh, I want to finish this pod with share us a uh, either fitting story or just a cool story from the tour uh, that you've had. Maybe recently, maybe far in the past. I really don't care. Uh, I guess you're allowed to share names, maybe not share names. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> some, on the story. some stories I can. I, I always say my the probably the most nervous I've ever been on tour was, and, and you get settled in. It's like sitting in a room of just normal people. 
you know, after a year or so. But uh, it, I think it was, uh, my, my memory may fail me here, but Tom Watson, when he was in contention and almost won the British Open, I can't remember what year that was, but Tom was on staff with us at Adams Golf, and I worked for Adams Golf at that time, and I did fittings and stuff for, for Tom all the time. But we're, we're in, I believe it was Liverpool, Royal Liverpool. We're standing on the range. It's pouring down rain sideways, and Tom's the only guy on the driving range. He's struggling. Like, he is hitting it all over the place, right? And <laughs> he turns around. It's me and him and, and uh, our, our CEO at the time. And he turns around and he goes, um, what do you see? And I'm, number one, I'm not a teacher <laughs> in that sense, but I'm a fitter and I just almost froze up. But I was like, it, it looks like you're, it, it was a three wood too. I'll never forget. He's hitting low little squirt cuts. out. <laughs> it was awful. And I said, it looks like to me that we've got a shaft that's too stiff for this weather. That's what I said. <laughs> that was my comeback. That's all I had. And he goes, really? I go, yeah, it's cold. The shaft's not working. Uh, maybe we go back and put something softer. And believe it or not, we reshafted the club with something softer. And then, you know, he almost he almost won, almost made history, right? That's Lost a cool in a playoff. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> um, Jack, how do we want to end this one? Well, I think how we're going to end this one is uh, I'm going to talk about the giveaways. Well, part of what you guys came here for, right? Right. Uh, so we're going to give away everything on that table to start. Yep. So that's going to be copies of Scott's book. We're going to give away the golf bag, the Pro Vs, and then the uh, two shag bags as well. You guys are going to have to stay through the next podcast to be available for the putter and the custom shaft. And the lessons. And the lessons as well. So, yep. um, But, I mean, I think I just want to end this one is just by saying that Scott, I remember when I came to you for my first lesson, right when you got here from Alabama, and that's kind of how all this podcasting started here at the bridge. And I remember us talking about, uh, after we became better friends, talking about how cool it would be to have a whole team of, involved here and have a you know, studio where we could actually uh, you know, do our work well and even in inclement weather we can do that. And I just think it's a testament to everybody here on the porch. Obviously, Brooks is a big part of that. Scott, you're a huge part of that as well. And just uh, I feel like we finally have the team here, man. We finally have the team. We're about to really start doing damage here at Franklin Bridge, and everybody here is really going to start shooting lower scores. Yeah, and, and one other person, I'll let Scott introduce him here. Uh, Scott's kind of been bringing him up underneath him, kind of like I'm bringing Elijah and Erica up underneath me, uh, to really be able to provide a quality service that's done in a timely manner, whether it be fixing your golf swing in a timely manner or whether that be getting the right clubs in your hands or repaired or whatever. So, Scott, if you'll introduce real quick. Absolutely. I, I want to just say a few things about D Dustin. Is uh, He played golf for me at Cumberland. I coached at Cumberland University men's and women's golf for a while, and he played for me there. Um, and there's some kids that just you become yours almost, and he's, he's that kid that's, that's been with me. Uh, followed me, learned from me. I've learned from him. So I just want to give a couple of little highlights because his, his golf record's pretty impressive. Uh, 2009, and I remember this, uh, shot the course record at TPC Deer Run during the national tournament. Yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> In tournament play. In tournament play. In tournament play. And for, and for a while they had the little thing up there. I haven't been back in a while, but it was up on the, on the wall. Uh, 2010, uh, 2010 uh, Ping Golf and GCAA All-Region Team, honorable mention for All-American, and this is coming from Cumberland University, a small NAIA school, okay? So he obviously played very well. 2011 Conference Champion, uh, went to the National Tournament because of that, won six tournaments. 
Um, and then 2018-2021, he got in as an assistant coach at Austin P University and spent some time there and learned a ton of stuff about golf swing and, um, you know, um, managing your game and managing the golf course. So I just want to – I can't say enough about him, but he's going to be under my wing. And, um, again, we both learn from each other, but can't be prouder to have him with me too. You'll see him around. All righty. Well, we're going to wrap up this first one. Scott, anything else you want to say? No. All right. Perfect. <laughs> which Scott? Yeah, which Scott? <laughs> which one? I'm going to have to start calling you Hassie now. So they – are we? Am I cool to share the what they call you on the tour? So they call Scott Scooter on the tour. So John, you can't call me Scooter anymore. <laughs> so, uh, so they call me Scotty or Hassy. So uh, either's fine. So if you call, if you say Scott, and we're both in the same room. We're both gonna look at you. So we gotta know you as Scooter now. This is like, this is your introduction to the family here. You know, it's Scooter. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> if that's all I'll right with you. I'll take it. I'll take it. So. Love it. Well, uh, for those of you who are listening on uh, Spotify, Apple Music, or YouTube, wherever you're at, thanks so much for doing that, listening, watching, viewing, subscribing, whatever you guys are up to right now. We really appreciate it. We're going to cut it here. Just know that we're giving uh, giveaways away right now. So if you guys are listening to this and you're like, darn, I missed it, we're going to be doing one of these once a month every single month for the rest of the golf season here uh, on the back porch of Franklin Bridge the way we did it old school. So that's super exciting, super exciting. Uh, Scott, man, uh, or Scooter, I guess I should call you. Thanks for being on, man. And uh, everybody give a uh, Franklin Bridge welcome to Scooter here. Scott Wilkerson. Scott Wilkerson, everybody. Love it. So for those of you listening, we'll catch you on the next time. It's been the No Mulligans Podcast. Peace. There's no rule. Shoot a lower score. There's one rule.